The following teaching is from the 2015 Man Up Men's Retreat at Trinity Pines. We hope it is a blessing to you. For more information about the men's ministry of Houston's First Baptist Church, you can visit us on the web at houstonsfirst.org forward slash men. That's houstonsfirst.org forward slash men. Hey, in 1975, I was at Georgia Southern College, uh, walked home for the baseball team. They were number two. They were the number two team in the nation. You know what? I didn't make the team. And I'm there at college, and the coach said, well, why don't you go to junior college and then transfer in two years? So I'm there my first year, um, really seeking God in my life. I remember I used to lay in bed at night and say, God, there's got to be something more to life than I'm experiencing. And all alone in my dorm room, February 6, 1975, I read a track. And for the first time in my life, I realized that God loved me, came after me, died for me, purpose for my life. And all alone in my dorm room at Georgia Southern College, I gave my life to Christ. Went home, told my parents I'd become a Christian. I was going to quit school, and I was going to go to Bible college. And that's what I did. You know, one of the first things that happened to me is people began to teach me about a quiet time. And pretty much since 1975, I've had some kind of quiet time. I really struggled a lot in my quiet time most of my life. And one thing I have been, though, is been consistent in the Word. The Bible says you're clean by the Word I've spoken to you. And it's... it's uh, refreshing to be in the Word. And the reason a lot of guys don't stay in the Word, I think, is because it either refines you or it refuses you. You really can't be in the Word consistently without letting it cleanse you and living in hope. Because we, we need to live in hope. Because James 2 says, For we all stumble in many ways. And if you read this context of this passage in James, it talks about the ship with a small rudder and then the tongue was such a little thing. You see, it, it takes only a little thing to cause us to stumble. And we're men, so we know what it means to stumble. We know what it means to, to fail. Fail in how we relate to our wives, how we relate to our children, how we relate to our brothers and sisters, how we relate at work sometimes. But we've got a lot of hope because the Word is for doctrine and reproof and correction and teaching and righteousness. It teaches us. It rebukes us. It tells us what is right and what is not right and how to get right and how to stay right. And so that's why we, we expose our heart to the Word and I'm going to share with you some thoughts today, some principles about that over the last, um, that I've been experiencing over the last 40 years. You know, a lot of us get our worth from, from things and circumstances outside of us. For example, we say to ourselves many times, we say, if I really... Um, I really would be in the know if 
I was privy to that information. We say to ourselves, I would really be a happy person if I was on that team or if I was part of that group. But time alone with God is really not outside of yourselves, but within yourself. You see, you are never on the outside. And I want you to, I want you to hear this. this is, if I get anything to you, you are never on the outside if you are spending time with God. Because you're always on in, you're always in on what he's doing. Yeah. If you expose your heart to the word, as you see the world, as you see your city, as you see your home, as you see your job, if you stay in the word consistently, you'll always be on the inside. You'll always know what's going on. Because God will speak to you. Because he's a speaking God. He's in the speaking business. And, and we're really good at managing our image. You know, I've been really good at it all my life. And the Bible talks a lot about this form of godliness but with no power. Psalm 51.6 tells us, Surely you desire truth in the inner parts. See, we're good at managing the outer parts. But the Lord wants truth on the inner parts. He says, You teach me wisdom in the inner places. Uh, if you take, got that handout, if you don't have it, just look to, to your neighbor there. It says, uh, this quote by Henry Cloud, our life is never on the outside. It's always on the inside. The invisible life always produces the visible life. Life works inside out. But a lot of us live our lives like like life works outside in. You know, we're, we're in this like management um, scenario. But, but Cloud, who's a psychologist, a Christian psychologist, I think, I think he's right here. Life really works inside out because nobody really knows but you what you're thinking at night when you lay your head down at night. Nobody knows really what you're going through but you. And that's why it's always good to take a good look in the mirror. My wife talks a lot about transformation. And um, she's come up with these four principles of transformation. And see, when you expose yourself to the word, it's kind of like around all these. I heard these pine trees were built, uh, were uh, planted like uh, 50 years ago. A lot of these trees around here, 50, 60 years ago. And they just started with a seed, a seedling. And they're dropping other seedlings. And you know, a seed in the ground, it takes um, the soil, it takes the right consti constituency mixed together, it takes, um, it takes sun, it takes, it takes water. We've been in a drought. We're actually happy the rain's coming. Unless you're a Baylor fan today, you know, you're not really happy about it. But, but we're happy that it's coming because we need the rain. You see, that's the way our lives are. We need to place ourselves in the environment so that we can grow spiritually. And one way is you, you expose yourself by hearing the word. Another way is by reading the word. Another way is by meditating on the word. My wife... Um, 
is uh, writing a book on, has written a book on scripture memory, uh, but she's going to write another one called God Has a Word for You. And she's going to integrate these four things in to the book. And what happens when you place yourself before the Word consistently, your reasoning begins to change. You see, you begin to think like Christ. And then the way you respond begins to change because you, you realize that, hey, yeah, I really can persevere, as he talked about last night. I can't wait be slow to speak and quick to hear before I respond. So you can think like Christ and act like Christ and while before you know it, you're relating appropriately. You're, you're loving like Christ and, and your reputation begins to change because hey, you begin to look like Christ. You see, life, from, life transformation occurs when there is an observable difference in your life. And it only comes when you place yourself in the right environment. I love to duck hunt. I love to fish. And one of the things I've learned about hunting over the last 40 years is that duck and geese, they like to be where the refuge is. They like to be where the, where the food is, that where the water is. They like to be where there's no hunting pressure. They like the safe place. And that's what it is when you come before the Word. It's the safe place to be. It's your refuge. But you've got to find it. Now, we're, we're, we have benefited because we're, we, are, we have the Word of God before us, and we have access to the Word. Everybody doesn't have access to the Word. And so you, you have, a, have an advantage. When we talk about time alone with God, I heard Rick Warren say recently, what you focus on, you always move towards. And what I'm challenging you here to do today, guys, I'm talking, I'm, I'm, I'm really challenging you to to focus on time alone with God this year. Focus on time alone with God and move towards that. We know that's true. So, so what does it take to really spend time alone with God? Well, it takes two things. It takes a word. It only takes a word. Over in Matthew chapter... Eight. I want to share this verse with you. Matthew chapter 8. Verse 5, it says, When Jesus had entered Capernaum, a centurion came to him asking for help. Lord, he said, my servant lies at home paralyzed and in terrible suffering. And Jesus said to him, I will go and heal him. And the centurion replied, Lord, I do not deserve to have you come under my roof. But just say the word, 
and my servant will be healed. You know, I think a lot of us are like that. We really don't think we're worthy of being in the Lord's presence because of everything we've done in our lives. You see these Bibles here? These are my Bibles from the last 40 years. Hey, guys, that is a lot of confessing. Let me tell you. That is a lot of confessing. And, and I know, I know that you just don't feel worthy. But God loves bad odds. He took David and he slayed Goliath. He loves you. There's no one like you. And there's nobody that can do what you can do with your family, in our city, in our nation, and in our world. We cannot move forward without you. God's not surprised about anything in your life. You see, it only takes a word. Lord, just say the word. Just say the word. And even over on verse 16, look over at verse 16. It says, when Jesus came into Peter's house, he saw Mary's mother-in-law lying in the bed with a fever. He touched her. And the fever left her, and she got up and began to wait on him. When evening came, many who were demon-possessed were brought to him. He drove out the spirits with a word. You see, it only takes a word. It only takes a word. So what, what happens? What, is, what, what are devotions about? What's time alone with God about? Well, you see, we come to Jesus... And it is he who confers light to us. He supplies a word. He grants an impression. He renders a living, a healing touch to us. He can change the direction of our life. He does that with a word. That's what he does. And if you do that, if you, if you expose yourself to the word, not 20 minutes, 40 minutes on Sunday. If you learn to do that, you're going to see that he's going to tell you things you never thought he would tell you. He's going to confer light to you. He's going to touch your life, and he's going to touch your life through other people. He's going to supply a word to you and grant an impression to you that you never thought could happen. It, only t it, it takes a word, but it also takes extraordinary efforts in prayer. Look at Matthew 14. Matthew 14. Uh, verse 22. It says, Immediately Jesus made the disciples get into the boat and go ahead of him to the other side while he dismissed the crowd. After he had dismissed them, he went up to the mountainside by himself to pray. When evening came, he was there alone. You see, if you are going to spend time alone with God, what is it going to take? Well, it takes a word. It takes putting yourself in an environment where God can speak into your life. But it also takes extraordinary efforts in prayer. 
It takes extraordinary effort. You know, Jesus didn't. I mean, look at what he did here. He he was with a bunch of people, and he he went out of his way to be alone with God. He said, "Okay, guys, I want you to get in the boat. I want you to go to the other side. I'm going to dismiss the crowd here." Then he had to go up the mountain. I mean, he had to make an effort to be alone with God. And you're going to have to make an effort to allow him to speak into your life. And to allow an opportunity to pray for your wife and children and others. And I'm going to show you how to do that as we end here today. Uh, if you notice this coin on this page, it says 1841. Now, First Baptist was founded in 1841. You can actually walk down to the coin store uh, next to First Baptist on Katy Freeway and walk in, and you can find one of these coins, 1841. And uh, there's a coin store right at Katy and Blaylock there. And, um, and so they have, they have coins, and they sell sell coins from all over. A lot of people are part of coin collections. And the reason I I share this with you is um, a coin has two sides. We know that. It has heads and it has tails. Um, And that's the way time alone with God is. There's, There's really two sides to it. There's the word and there's prayer. There's two sides to time along with God. And you, if you really see this, it'll take you further in your devotional life. Um, it's not either or. It's not I read the word or I pray. I'm here to say to you today, it's both and. It's two sides of the same coin. You need to incorporate the word and prayer into your devotional life. And if you do that, it's going to be easier for you to walk with God for a lifetime. Uh, we know that every spring they have the trail rides there. Uh, and, and all the people come in from, well, they get on their horses and, and they, they follow in the, the, uh, the coaches down Katy Freeway on the frontage road. And, and it's kind of funny, really. But they do get to Memorial Park. Now, hundreds of years ago, 100 years ago, they did that too. And they had what, they followed, uh, not on concrete roads, they followed trails. And, And that's what the Lord is providing for us. He is providing a trail for us to follow. And that's what he wants us to do. Turn to uh, Psalm 23. Psalm Obviously, this is a very famous passage, and we only hear this passage usually at funerals. And um, 
Yeah, it has a lot to do with uh, the Lord and, and, and before the Lord. And um, How about, what's your name? Jay. Jay, how about read verses 1 through 3? All right. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. <coughs> he leads me beside quiet waters. He restores my soul. He guides me in the path of righteousness for his name's sake. Okay. That verse 1, it says, if you looked at the Hebrew construction of it, it would say, really, my shepherd is the Lord. It would say, he really makes me lie down. The construction would be, he really leads me. He really restores my soul. He really guides me. That's what the Hebrew construction is. He really, really does this. And it says that word there in, uh, in verse uh, 3. He really guides me in. You know what that word means, path? It means wagon tracks. He really leads me in the wagon tracks. And see, hundreds of years ago, the wagon tracks... They followed the path, and it was just hard and bare when it didn't rain, but when it did, there were a lot of ruts. And so the wagon tracks of righteousness are the word and prayer. And God wants you to follow in those tracks. And if you follow in those tracks... You're going to be able to walk with God for a lifetime. Listen, walking with God is really hard. And it gets harder. And life gets faster. You know, uh, I think it's uh, Francis Chan says in his book, he talks about life, how, how fast it is. You know, when you're 5 and 10 years old, life is about 5 and 10 years, 10 miles an hour. And then when you're 20, it's 20 miles an hour. And 30, it's 30. And 40, it's 40. And 50, it's 50. And 60, Wow, 60. I'm 60 years old. Life is going by real fast. In fact, the Bible says your life is like a hand breath. You know what a hand breath is? It's these four fingers. 20, 40, 60. Life is really fast, guys. I'm in the last hand breath. And I'm here to challenge you. Wherever you are in the hand breath, I'm challenging you to walk in the wagon tracks. Walk in the word and walk in prayer. So what is your grid? What is your grid? Now we're going to get real practical here the last few minutes. What is your grid? And when I speak about the grid that you're going to follow, I'm speaking about the wagon tracks. The grid is the glide path you follow each day. Now, we all have a, a grid kind of professionally. You know, I became a Christian in, at uh, Georgia Southern College. That's like down on the coast of Georgia and South Carolina coasts there. And then I, I left Georgia Southern College. And I went to Columbia Bible College. And then after I graduated from there in 78, I worked a year in South Carolina and helped run a man's business. And then I knew I needed help, so I decided, hey... I'm going to go to seminary. 
and I narrowed it down to two places, Wheaton Graduate School or Southwestern Seminary. And so I, professional glide path, I went to Southwestern Seminary in Fort Worth, Texas. So I was there. And I was there for four years, from 79 to 83. And then I went to Southwest Baptist University. And I was there 12 and a half years. And then I came to First Baptist Church, and I've been there 18. You see, that's kind of a professional glide path. But you know, we all have a devotional glide path, too. You know, the glide path is what you follow each day. And I'm here to challenge you to follow and to be in the Word and to be in the prayer. A lot of people struggle with the time frame. Um, you know, when do you spend time with God? And there's a lot of different, different uh, words out there. Most people would say, spend time with God in the morning. And uh, I know a guy on staff that does a lot of his time at night. He just, wife goes to bed early, he's laying there, he reads, he prays, he, and that's fine. I, I spend most of my time with the Lord in the morning. And I'm going to give you some freedom here in a moment, but uh, Psalm 1-2 says, Delight yourself in the Lord, and you meditate on His Word day and night. So it... The, the word kind of teaches us that we don't, um, we always need to be prepared to receive and hear from the Lord in the morning and, in, and at night. Uh, Psalm 92, too, is uh, one of the great verses in the scripture. It says, it is good to, to praise the Lord and to make music to your name almost high, to proclaim your love in the morning and your faithfulness at night. And if you sit in there and you say, well, what? how do I even start my devotional life? How do I even begin? Hey, guys, that's how you begin. You get up in the morning and you say, God, I thank you for your love for me this day, your love for my family. You just start. See, you proclaim his love in the morning. And so what do you do at night when you lay your head down at night on your pillow at night? Lord, thanks for being faithful, even though I'm faithless. So, so these are some things just to help you, help you in, in the Word. Now, you notice I have in the, in the picture there, these are my Bibles from the last 40 years. This is my first Bible. And um, um, I actually bought this in, in Hawaii. And uh, I, know, I know you're not going to believe this, but I became a Christian. I said February 6th, but actually it's February 8th, 1975. And the reason I know, I have it written right there. And the only reason I have it written there is because when I gave my life to Christ, I, um, I wrote in the back of the track, it says, write the date down. And I wrote the date down. And I always carry that track with me. And I picked up a hitchhiker. I know you can't really do that today, but back in the 70s, you know, I picked up hitchhikers, and I remember giving that track to a hitchhiker. And I, but before I did, I wrote that date in this Bible. So that's why I know the day I gave my life to Christ, February 8, 1975. But this is my uh, first Bible. Uh, 
I was playing basketball with some Campus Crusade guys at, uh, at the school, at Georgia Southern College, and they said, hey, there's this beach project we have around the world every summer. Maybe you ought to do that. So I applied, and man, I ended up spending 10 weeks on the beach in Hawaii working with Campus Crusade. Suffering for Jesus. <laughs> it was so awesome. But you know, hey, you'll never know how it, how it shaped my life. Because the first five weeks the Crusade staff was there, then they left. They said, okay, y'all run the next five weeks. We'd only see them once a week. And, um, you know, that shaped my life so much. But this is, uh, this is my first Bible. Then, this was actually my second Bible. Actually, this was my first one. My grandmother gave me this. This is the Living Bible. It's be like the message today. And I can tell you, I was reading this a lot before I became a Christian. God was speaking to me, and I just didn't know how to become a Christian. And I'd been in and out of church, mostly out. My mom mainly went to church. I didn't go. But this was my first Bible I bought. This is my, uh, uh, this is really my third Bible. And... I mean, man, I cannot tell you what this means to me. There is so much confessed sin here. I mean, there's so much victory here. There's so much struggle here. And, and why? Because it only takes a word for God to convey light. And render a touch. <coughs> if you learn to expose yourself to the word. And then this was a Bible when I came to First Baptist. You see, if you, if you keep your Bible with you at all times. If you take it to church every Sunday. You take it to work. You read your Bible. You go through a Bible in about five, six years. You'll wear it out. You will wear it out. See, this was holding a Bible for about... 15 years right here. This is holding it for 15 years. And so I want to really encourage you. If you don't have a Bible that you like, you need to go get one. If you don't like your Bible, you need a, that's okay. But you need to go and get a Bible that you love, that reads well, and feels right to you. I'm just telling you. Because it's that important. Because that's where the nourishment to your soul comes. He restores. He really restores your soul. He really guides you. And that's what he wants to do. So what's your disposition? What's your disposition? Well, Proverbs 8, 6 says, Listen, for I have worthy things to say to you. Matthew eleven twenty six. Jesus said, Learn from me. You see, the reason we learn from the Lord is because he has worthy things to teach us. John 10, 3 says, He calls and leads them out. You see, God's going to speak to you and lead you to make decisions about what you're going to give your life to, how you're going to spend your money, what you're going to say to your kids and your wife, decisions you're going to make at your job, ministry, and everything. 
But you expose your heart to the Lord. You expose it to the Lord. You give God time to work. I wanted to um, just say something about a journal. You see, there, there's a lot of guys don't keep journals, and I understand that to some extent. I used to have interns, and we'd all go buy the same journal. So, okay, let's get, let me give you a journal at the beginning of the summer, and I want you to work through it. And then I, I realized that that didn't work because we all kind of have our different personalities and how things work, and it's kind of like the Bible. Everybody's not going to read the same Bible I'm going to read. That's why I'm saying you need to go buy a Bible that you love, that feels right and reads well to you. Whether it's the Message or New American Standard or ESV, I don't really care. And the Lord doesn't either. But He wants you to expose yourself to the Word. Secondly, I want to really encourage you to get a journal. This is why I want to be real practical right now with you. And these are journals you can buy at the church. I kind of like these because they got this little deal here I can put on the page and so forth. But I've had all kinds of journals. Uh, here's a journal. I used to buy these. These are really pricey, though. These are like, you know, 25, 30 bucks. But a journal will last me about 30, about, about six months. So I go through about two a year. Now, this is from 2009. And one of the things that, let's say, if you're just starting out, and all of you know this, and I say this in the book, okay, today is the 24th, right? So if you're just starting out tomorrow, you would then maybe um, go to Psalm 25. And that would be where you'd start. And then the next day, Psalm 26 and 27. Or you would go to Proverbs 25. If you're just starting out, just begin to read the Word. I encourage people to maybe go to 1 John because 1 John is really short, only five chapters. If you read a chapter a day, that's five days. How are you going to finish? A lot of guys struggle because they never finish. What I do and what I've done for years is I always, I always write at the top of my journal... Like here, 10-6-08, it was a Monday, I wrote Psalm 98, 1 through 9. Sing a new song was verse 1. And this is what I wrote in my journal. I just did this randomly. So this is what I wrote that day. I hope it doesn't say too much about myself. So let me see. Lord, um, may my life truly be filled with creativity and intentionality. No. On the world and the place in the places of re I reach. In the nations. Okay, so I see. Verse seven was in the places you reach. Verse seven was the nations. To the ends of the earth was verse three. May my life and team always be on the move in new and creative and in jubilant ways. That's what I wrote that day on two thousand eight. Um, also, there's a guy that um, is on staff, he asked me to pray for him, and he, he asked me to pray for him, and it says, pathway of confrontation or a pathway of communication. He was dealing with a person, I've got his name here, so I won't, I won't share it with you, but he, he asked me, he says, you know, I need, I've got a guy I've got a problem with, and I need to either confront him or I need to communicate better with him. Well, that's pretty good advice for me. I'm glad I wrote that down. I need to do that. 
I need to learn to communicate better, or if I need to confront a person, I need to do that. And um, uh, so that's what I do. I write, and then the next day I got up, and I know I started Psalm 99. You see how you work your way through? Now, if you were working, let me go to another journal. Let's go... Um, Okay, here's like Hebrews. Okay, here's April 8, 2015. Here's Hebrews 8. I read 6, 1 through 8. Okay, now that was on April 8. Okay, this is great. This is <coughs> Okay, then I didn't have a quiet time the next day. Guys, it's okay if you don't have a quiet time every day. So on April 10, I read Hebrews 7, 1 through 10. And then I just wrote part of the verse. I always try to write something. Even if I don't get anything out of it, I always try to write something down. So that's why this is just a few lines. And then on April 11, 2015, Hebrews, 11, Hebrews 7, verse 11. Now, how do I know to start then? Because I ended with verse 10. You see, I'm not doing a chapter a day. I'm just reading until I, I stop. Some people read three verses, some people read ten. I think most people try to read too much. That's why they fail in their devotions. So then, then I got to Sunday the 12th, I read Hebrews 8, 1 through 13. Here's Greg's message. I took notes in the message that day. Then April 13th, I started with Hebrews 9, 1 through 14. And then on the 14th, I started Hebrews 9. 13. I just started a verse earlier. Even though I ended on 14, I knew that's kind of where I would pick up. See, if you don't, even if you miss two or three days, what you're going to do, it's going to be okay. You want to then pick up where you left off. And so, is it Old Testament, New Testament? I'm not going to tell you where to read devotionally because God's going to meet you and lead you and give nourishment to your, to your soul differently than he is mine. Sometimes you need to be in the Old Testament. Sometimes you need to be in the New Testament. Sometimes you need to be in both. But it's like a buffet. The word's like a buffet. And you go and, wow, that, I didn't know those vegetables were that good. And so that's what's been great about Greg, preaching through Isaiah. It's been a little different, see? It's a different diet. That he's feeding us. Now, I tell you today, if you come here, I want to talk to you about praying for your wife and children. I want to show you how to do that. How to do that every day. Or almost every day. And this is, this is just an idea that the Lord gave me. And a lot of people that I'm around now are, are, that will do this. So, I get a journal. I go through one about every six months. My devotions, they begin at the beginning, and I work this way. My prayers are always from the back this way. Why? Because eventually those are going to need. Okay, when I used to struggle so much because I would, I would try to pray in my journal, and I just, I, I never had any continuity or anything. So what I do is, okay, here's January 2015 prayer. So... At the back of my journal, whatever the month is, that's where I, I put the date. I always date it. 
I put the month, and then I start. Every month, I start a new, a new prayer list. Every month. Sometimes I do go two months, I'll tell you. Sometimes I do go two months. But generally, every month, I start a new prayer list. And so I start at the back. And so here, here I had a, Jeff knows about this, I had a grandchild born in January that year. So obviously, Isla Rose Taylor was at the top of the list. You know, I'm praying for that child, for her, her health, her protection, strength and stamina for my, my daughter-in-law, Will, that he'll be wisdom to be a great dad. Don't you want your son to be a great dad? You need to pray that. Um, that they'd raise her to be a godly woman. Uh, the wedding. Guess what? My daughter got married this year. Let me tell you. <laughs> Guys, you better start saving your money. <laughs> I mean, <coughs> weddings are like ridiculous. It's like sending your kids to college. And so, uh, so man, I've been praying for my daughter. That January, she got married in September. See, I'm praying like eight months ahead of time for my daughter, her wedding. Um, everything about them. Uh, even the details of the wedding, huh, because it costs a lot of money. I'm trying to keep those details down. So, uh, provision. Uh, my wife, uh, she wants to write a new book. Uh, she's in a mentoring ministry. Just for my own mental and spiritual discipline, that I'd be pure in heart, that I'd see God. Uh, the Harwin Project, just people in my ministry. Uh, the Mission Expo, this was last January. See, we're, we're, so, why do, you, why do you change? Then people that I was praying for. I have Ian Bro here from Cypress Camps I was praying for. Uh, uh, Elbert Palmer Memorial, you know. A gentleman, at 90 years old, died, 100 years old, died at a church. I was just praying for that. Uh, here's one. I was praying for him. I don't think, I, just the, his, his transition. Um, people I've met. Uh, Greg and Kelly's Africa trip. Okay, now this is what I want to, every time I, I read, I, I pray over my list, number one, I don't try to do, fill it out all the first day. I just let it kind of happen. And then I pray over it, every time I pray over it, I date it. Okay, so you can see last January, one, two, this is 123, 125, 123, so 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, 16, 17, 18, 19, 20, 21. So of the 31 days of January, I prayed 21 times over that prayer list. Then the next month, I started a new list. And uh, this is really important. Even this week, same thing. Here we are now. Um, here's October prayers. I just went to China a few weeks ago, so that was at the top of my list. See, I was praying for my trip to China. Um, not only um, was my teaching time, but the future projects within and other things. Um, my wife, my daughter, and her her uh, her husband, new husband. I was praying for them just. They were trying to make some financial decisions, praying for my own heart, just pray that you won't fall into temptation. Just God has been teaching me a lot about temptation lately. And just, you know, Jesus, when I went to Israel this year, you go down the Mount of Olives and there you are. And you, it says in that passage of Jesus in the Mount of Olives, it said, after he was tempted, he prayed even more. I thought, I'd never seen that before. And so, 
man, I need to pray more, not less. I need to run faster, not slower. And so I just started praying about that. Uh, Arthur Craig, uh, the missions conference I'm praying for. Just this week, two things kind of came in my realm. A guy that's on staff, he has a hearing problem, he has tumors in it. So he asked us to pray for him. So I have Brett Laxon, his wife Amy, I put there. I have the retreat on here, Trinity Pines. Uh, Kevin and Mark, I have a guy on my staff, his wife's pregnant, he just came to us, our staff. He said they just discovered his baby has a birth defect. Wow. So I've kept that on my prayer list. Um, and so just other projects I've been working on. You see, your, your kids' lives change, your wife's lives change, your, your job changes. That's why my list changes every month. So you can see right here, let's see. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, thirteen, fourteen, fifteen, sixteen of the twenty-four days I prayed over this list. I don't do it every day. I don't have a quiet time every day. I don't pray every day. But this really keeps me accountable. Eventually, see, I'm almost, I only have a few pages left. I'm going to finish this journal, put it up, get another. You know what, guys? I have, like, about 40 years in journals. If you'd read my journals, I probably wouldn't be on staff. <laughs> I'd, I'd say that time to you. Because I really have, I mean, there are a lot of secrets there. A lot of good secrets, man. A lot of great things. Amazing answers to prayer. I want to just close with this. And then I'm here to answer any questions. I'll take some questions. But we all know that we live in a port city. And when the ships come in, there's a channel they have to come through. And when ships come in at night, and I've just kind of learned this recently, they operate on what they call visual navigation. In other words, there's three lights, and when they line up, those three lights, they're in the center of the channel. And that's what the Lord wants us to do. He wants us to listen because he has worthy things to say to us. He wants us to learn because he has worthy things to teach us. He wants us to lead because he has worthy things for us to do. I love that passage over in uh, John, uh, over in, uh, yeah, John 13. I want to just read it and then I'll take any questions. In John 13, it says this. Jesus knew that the time had come for him to leave this world and go to the Father, having loved his own who were in the world. He now showed them the full extent of his love. I love that passage. It says there came this point in Jesus' life. He showed them the full extent of his love. He'd always loved them, but there came this time he really wanted to give them this amazing lesson. And that's kind of the way it is with us, guys. There comes this time in our life where we serve others with no strength attached. Why do we do that? Because the Lord wants us to listen because he's got worthy things to say to us. He wants us to learn because he's got worthy things to teach us. He wants us to be leaders, leaders of our families, leaders in our job, leaders in our church. He wants you to be a leader of someone, not everyone, but he wants you to lead someone. He wants you to lead them spiritually. 
Why? Because he's got something for you to do. So line it up. Be in the center of God's will. And you can do this if you involve the word and prayer. The wagon tracks of righteousness are the word and prayer. Notice these uh, quotes here. If the church makes progress in this exercise, if many brothers and sisters learn to rise early, if each one goes to God and receives a little more light each day, how rich the whole church will become and how full of light she will be. Bread for today is bread enough. Prayer is a task and duty of each recurring day. Daily prayer for daily needs. Billy Graham said, if I had to do it over again, I'd pray more. If I had to do it over again, I'd pray more. And so, see, I'm, I'm telling you, but you don't always hear this, true time alone with God involves the Word and it involves prayer. And this is the way I have learned to do it. You know, try to, try to keep my prayers consistent, trying to keep them relevant. And somebody asked me, well, how do you know what to pray for, for your family? Well, the circumstances allow that. But the Word, when you're having devotions, the Word is going to teach you how to pray for people in situations and how to make decisions. So we listen, we learn, we lead, we walk with God for a lifetime. You guys want to ask me any questions? I do have one to say, one other thing. Like, for example, I believe in devotional guides. I even read this this morning, October 24th. But you don't want to not open your Bible. You don't want to read a devotional guide all year and never open your Bible. So even this morning of October 24th, I read it. It only took like, this takes like two minutes to read. It's nothing. You can do this. Just have it at your, even at your desk. Every day you go to work, just have it there. Have it somewhere. And then just open it up. But I would encourage you to open your Bible so you can at least read one of these. I don't read all of these verses, but I did read the last one this morning, 2 Corinthians 4, 8, and 9. And I tied it into the message last night on perseverance. So that's one thing about devotional guides. I'm a believer in devotional guides, but... You don't want to do it without some interaction with the Bible. Anybody have any thoughts, any questions, anything you want to add to this? Anything at all? Yeah. Uh, just real quick, when you were reading you know, the verses that you're going day to day, um, there's been sometimes where like I've had issues where it's like reading them, and then I just want to go to this huge like uh, big like analysis of the, that text, yeah. or then there's like the other side of it of like where you more that can kind of get wear me down a lot in the mornings and it's like you're working through like what does it mean, what does it say, going through kind of that big yeah. study and then you're kind of like, oh, I'm tired. And then uh, or you have this other option where I think you make it more interactive, like you take the text and praying and reading over. So I was curious kind of like how have you done kind of had that balance between I tell you recently I've I've done a little more on the study side and okay. what you're doing. Maybe because I've had a little more time. And I've really enjoyed there's a new um, there's a new application out there called Step uh, Scriptures to Every Person. And it's like amazing. I don't know if you've seen it yet. Yeah. It's like amazing. The guy that Peter Williams that spoke recently comes out of Cambridge. It's free, it's on the internet. And what you do is you can tap a word 
and it brings up the meaning of that word in Greek or Hebrew. And if you tap it twice, it brings up the whole history of the word. Okay. So it's like amazing stuff. And so, uh, like for example, I tap the word stumble, for we all stumble in many ways. Boom. And it's like, wow, <clears throat> you fall short, you stumble, you trip, you know, you start, wow. You know, it just kind of expands the deeper meaning of the word. And which applies differently. So I do do that some, but that's not for everyone. Yeah. But I'm telling y'all that just because there's no right or wrong way to be before God. But I do think it involves both the word and prayer. If you're, if, because look, we don't, you know, who lives up to this? I don't. So. What was that resource called? A step, uh, scriptures to every person. Online. Yeah, it's online. Uh, it's out of uh, Cambridge, and uh, I'll ask Eric to send it out to the men, so all of you'll get it. It's like amazing. It really is. It's some of the best stuff. Plus, it's free. And look, guys, we have access to the internet. We can use it in a good way or a bad way. We know that. And uh, hey, and if you're in it, using it in a bad situation, it's just personal application. Hey, when I see things I can't, I shouldn't see, you know what I do? I tell my wife. You know, I was on Facebook recently. I'm not on Facebook right now. I was telling some guys, I said, you know, I had this guy I hadn't seen for 40 years. He put something on Facebook. I probably need to block him. I'm just going to get off Facebook for a while. So it's been really good for me. It's been really good for me. But anyway, that's applying the scripture, see? That's applying the scripture. If y'all have any questions, you can come up. Right here, I talk about the different things about devotions in here, devotional guidelines, and uh, on page uh, 14 and 15, I want to encourage you to read those. If y'all need help, you can always come to this office. I'm there. Thank you for taking the time to listen to this message from the 2015 Man Up Men's Retreat hosted by Houston's First Baptist Church. We hope this message has been encouraging to you and pray you have a great day.